I was struck with both readings, like I said at the beginning, and we kind of missed that we, we abbreviated for the Sunday liturgy the actual reading of the, from the Book of Kings, name in the Syrian. Elisha tells him to be healed. Actually, he sends a messenger to tell him. He doesn't even come out himself. Sends a messenger to tell Naaman, go wash seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And Naaman's like, what the heck? I came all this way from beautiful rivers in Babylon, much better than this dirty Jordan River, and that's it? Forget it, I'm done. This is stupid. And he's going to leave. And his friends, like, compel him, his, even his own soldiers who are devoted to him, like, no, just, if he would have asked something huge of you and extraordinary, you probably would have done it. You're that heroic. You would have climbed up the mountain to do this heroic thing. All the more so. He just says, go wash seven times in the river. Imagine Naaman on, like, the fifth time. All right, this is getting old. This is kind of silly. I'm looking like an idiot here. All right, sixth time. Dry off, get back in again, seventh time, and to his shock, he's healed. Skin is new, like a newborn baby. It's worth thinking, because Jesus does the same thing, like, go, okay, lepers, I see you. Jesus, master, have pity on us. Okay, go, show yourselves to the priests, which is actually just kind of quoting the Old Testament, what a leper is supposed to do. Do you think any one of them might have said, well, we could have done that on our own, that's kind of silly. Like, thanks for wasting our time. But no, they didn't. The simple thing. For what it's worth, and I don't want to talk about this today, but like, you're burdened by your sins and your struggles, or you're like, you feel like you're not sure if maybe God would forgive your sin. Go, show yourself to the priest in confession. Wait, that's kind of silly. Why would God ask me to do that? Can't God himself forgive my sins? Just do it. Stop thinking about it. Stop overanalyzing God's gifts. But it's worth remembering our Lord does do great things for us. I'd actually like to start just by inviting each of you to think about, and myself too, this past week in particular, what is something you've received from our Lord? What is some gift that maybe you're grateful for in some way? It could be as big as the mountains or some like tremendous, I don't know, job offering or, or, or like doubled your salary. That would be nice. Um, did you double your tithing? Anyway, um, or some little thing, some little gift, some answer to a prayer. You got the Xbox game you were praying for and it came on your birthday. Or you just felt a hug from someone you cared about a lot. Or some, you, maybe you reconciled with a friend that you were struggling with. One little thing, just think about it for a moment. Our Lord does this tremendous thing for these 10 lepers. If you don't know what a leper is, don't Google any pictures, but it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And it's like a crippling, disgusting corruption of the flesh, of the skin, and all the other organs as the body just dies. Anyway, um, and they go off, and each one of them realizes on their way to doing what Jesus told them to do, that simple task, each one of them realizes, ooh, wow, I feel different. I mean, oh my God, oh my gosh! And then they go, I don't know, just imagine nine of them, each one. I'm going to go tell my parents, I'm so excited, this is awesome! I'm going to go tell my friends, I'm going to go back to my, my boss who fired me, Two years ago, because of this leprosy, now I'm going to get my job back and get some money. I'm going to go beat up the guys who didn't give me what I asked them for two, a year and a half ago when I needed help, and they, they pushed me away because I was a leper. I'm going to go beat them up. I'm going to, whatever I'm going to do, they could just quickly do all these things. These were all Jews. These were all faithful children of God. One of them, the Samaritan, the foreigner. I'm going back to that guy. I'm going to thank him. 
I'm going to kneel down at his feet. You imagine as he's walking or running back, he's thinking, what am I going to do? Do I, do I kneel? Do I, how do you treat a God-man? I've never had that happen before. But he does it. And I, I, I zero in on our Lord's reaction. Don't waste your time. Go do something useful with your life. I'm not, I, you don't need to thank me. You knew I'm God. This is what I do. No, he's like, wow. I mean, I'm really touched, but where are the other nine? Didn't they receive the same healing? Has none but this foreigner? The guy didn't even come to the Jewish synagogue. Like, like he doesn't even know I'm his God, but he came. Where are the other nine? I want you to zero, just, just tap into that heart, human heart of Jesus Christ. I was hoping they might have come. I was looking forward to seeing them come. But they didn't come. Our Lord does things for us. Our Lord is present in different ways around us, in the littlest things to the biggest things. The gift of my life. The gift of my talents. I got an award in my participation in high-stepping. That is awesome. Lord, thank you for giving me the gifts that enabled me to be on the team. I'm grateful. Gratitude evokes a response. And I was kind of distracted as I thought about the ways of responding. We do something. We want to give back. Whether it's our time, an attitude of thanks, a moment of prayer, or from other things, the very gifts God has given us, can't we give those back? I was distracted because that's kind of what ministry is. The word ministry, we don't use it a lot, maybe, I don't know, our our outreach. Everything we do in church, it's ministry. It's a giving back because first I received. And our Lord's looking for that. You notice we actually say in the the gospel, um, sorry, the Eucharistic prayer, we give you thanks for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and minister to you. That we have a chance to come, stand before you, and give back. It is a heartfelt thing that I do when I'm volunteering or helping in some way or coming in adoration. From the heart, from the heart. The raw material God has given me, whatever talents he's given me, I, I want to use them for him. I want to give them back to him. It's not just obligation. I come to Mass because I'm supposed to. I do these things and I volunteer because I'm supposed to. I teach PSR because I'm supposed to. I mean, yes, we are, but... There's more to it than that. And what the church, if you've noticed, tries to do, we have these routines when we're little. There are routines. Come to Mass on Sunday, help out in some way, maybe take food to the homebound or something. When I was little, my mother would take me with her when she would bring communion to the homebound. At first, I thought it was kind of a boring waste of my time. But I began to get an appreciation for what impact I could have on others. But those little routines are meant to then be there for us when we have a a deeper experience. Like, Lord, you did something for me. I want to give back to you. The church has been teaching me ways to give back. And now I want to from the the depths of my own heart. I am moved beyond the routine to make it a gift for you, Lord. A giving back to you, Lord. When someone does something really moving for you, think about something, some favor you got or someone helped clean your yard or did, did something for you after Ida. 
And you're like, gosh, I'm really grateful. Let me go find that dusty book on puppies that's been sitting on my shelf for 20 years, never used it. I'm going to wrap it up and give that to this person as a gift. I don't know if they like puppies or not. I don't know, it's kind of random. But do you give them some random, useless thing? Or do you think, well, what, what would that person like? How do you thank someone? You think about what they want, what matters to them. How do you thank God? What matters to God? What are his desires? What is a gift that's meaningful to him? And there's some little ones that are easy and just being ourselves and using our talents in a thousand ways. And there's some big ones. But if you think about it, what did God always focus on? What did Jesus always focus on? How do I thank Jesus? He focused on love. So maybe a greater love for God, a greater love for my brothers and sisters, because that's what he kept harping on. That's what ministry is about. An increasing of my time, talent, and treasure focused on God and neighbor. I want to bring his love to my neighbor. Yes, I could give him some little coin in the, in, the, in the collection basket. That's a nice thing to do. It's really meaningful. But there's also more. Money is actually usually the easy thing to give. But our Lord's looking for something of myself, something more of myself. Ministry, especially, is trying to bring the love of our Lord to the lives of others. And I was just getting off two different retreats. One, a retreat for musicians with the Visual Project that I was helping with. And then just last night, I was coming back from the Axe Retreat. And I was very struck by the Axe Retreat, just among many other kinds of retreats. The efforts of those who put that on, they could have given God a lot of things. Whatever they gave, what it gave to God was 20-something men saying, I've really come to appreciate God more in my life. I've really come to realize more about what he's done in my life. I've really come to appreciate the role I can play. And I just want to think about if I were God, that's a tremendous gift that the organizers gave to him. Probably the most meaningful, priceless gift he could receive is other hearts being turned more to him. We can do that in a thousand ways. The retreat is one of them. PSR is another. Adult faith and fellowship, whatever you can do with your friends in your, on your own, like just that experience of someone saying, you know what, that's a, I really allowed me to think differently about my life and my relationship with God, and I want to change that. I want to improve it. I think God's like, that's really, that's very meaningful. Because that's what I spent my whole life, my whole kingdom is about that. Bringing souls to know the love of God, to know their worth, and to turn back more to Him. That's some of the higher end, high maintenance things. I do want to encourage each of us to realize we all have a role to play in having that impact on people around us. But I just want to list off, like, there's a whole bunch of things that I don't want you to miss, but I want you to realize it's, it's how do I give back to God? like that. Some sort of effort ministry, whether it's social concerns ministry, helping those in need materially, the Knights of Columbus, the, the M&Ms, like decorating the, the, the temple of the Lord, because I love him, because I'm grateful for him. Not because like, well, somebody's got to do it, so I might as well do it. I'm grateful for what he's done for me. I want to make his house look more beautiful. Just one little, I have a talent for art, for beauty. I want to offer that to him. When I was on the Vigil Project retreat for musicians, they took a moment 
they were doing a song in adoration, and they were doing an a cappella, Lord, I need you. It was beautiful. I was, in, I was in confession. I couldn't really hear. Then I heard this mixture of voices, totally unplanned, spontaneous. The, the leader just said, why don't you all just offer God your voice in some beautiful way. Just sing to him as you feel moved. And these are somewhat gifted musicians, and some of them are rookie musicians, and they just strove to have their voices blend. It was the most beautiful thing. From the depths of their heart, Lord, you gave me this gift of sound and music, and I give it back to you. I'm going to highlight our choir just for a moment, because right there, I mean, maybe they're there because someone guilted them into joining the choir, but maybe they're there because they have a gift to offer our Lord. No one in particular, but... They have a gift to offer. And just between you and me, St. Charles Parish, with our love for the arts and our emphasis on music and, and so many things of the arts, I think there's a lot more people who could be involved in giving our God the gift of their musical talent that he gave them first. They'll be involved in some way. So many ways, liturgical gifts, our, our readers and, and everything that we do, our altar service, thank you all very much for giving back to God. I'll close with this because it's been on my mind a lot lately and you've heard me say it. What is the parish? What is the church? Is it a place, a building, a facility? Is it a duty, an obligation? I have to do church now? I have to do my church stuff? The parish in particular, I think, is striving to be like, I guess, a coordinating platform for everyone's individual response to be brought together effectively, to make a bigger difference, a huge difference. Well, what can I give? I have all my limitations and I don't know what to offer. I love St. Paul's response in the, first le first, in the second reading. He's chained. He's literally in chains. He's in prison. What could he give? I don't know, but he gave a lot. And he says, but the word of God is not chained, not hindered by my limits. So whatever I can give, I just give and let God do the rest. I could do something in thanksgiving to God by myself. I could, you know, teach my own family, my own kids, the faith maybe. But wouldn't it be much more meaningful to our Lord if 10 and 20 and 30 and 500 families got together to reach 1,000 or 2,000 young people and other families and helping them understand God's love for them? It's a big thing. We're all trying to give back to God. The parish stops thriving and starts dying when people stop wanting to give back to God together. They stop caring about giving back to God. And I was struck as definitely, if you haven't heard, like there's a lot of discussion right now and post-Ida and everything else, like not to mention the last 20 years of demographic changes. Like some parishes, are, or well, all parishes right now, are being invited to look at themselves. Are you alive? Are you growing? Are you dying? Are you already dead? And what can you do about it? It's actually trying, hopefully, to get a handle on things ahead of time. Is our world changing, and are you adapting with the changes of the world, or are you still doing things that you were doing in the 50s? Because it's time to change in how you bring the gospel to people today. And I'm imaginary, imagining myself, well, why not? Let's play the game. Fast forward five years from now, ten years from now, and you find out this, this awful news that Holy Family is going to consolidate with another church, and you know what? Our doors are going to close. Oh my gosh, how dare the Archbishop do that? That's so terrible. 
wrong, shame on him. Well, I don't, I mean, whatever. Perhaps leadership changes could have been different. But my first question for myself and each one of us, how many people have I invited to come to church events in the last five years? Because if I didn't invite anybody, then the reason the church is closed is me. And that's reality. We just ask the Holy Spirit to help us change what we need to change now so that the future has a very different outlook, a very different image. Our Lord has given us so much, and I won't stop saying this, Holy Family, we have been given so much. Are we like the nine Samaritans, or sorry, the nine lepers who just were too busy to have time to give back? Or is it time for us to give back and give back very generously for all that we've received? Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.